so for our first episode of our podcast, we have Miss Jada Simone. Hi, everyone. And we also have Emily and Suni as a co-host of this episode. Hi, everyone. So we'll jump right into the podcast. So our first question for you is, please briefly introduce yourself. So again, uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jada. I am a proud fair trade ambassador. I am, I'm also a fair trade all-star of the year in 2018. And uh, I've been a member of the board of directors of the uh, L'Association Québécoise du Commerce Equitable uh, since 2017. And I'm also actually part of the board of the Canadian Fair Trade Network. Uh, I've always been uh, very engaged in the community. I've always uh, did a lot of volunteer, especially with cultural institution. And I always enjoyed it. Uh, everything that's in the community, with the community, it's my passion. And uh, I, my goal is really to uh, contribute to educate people on fair trade and have customers really build a direct and human link with producers in the Global South by sharing our human experiences. Thank you so much. Uh, we're very excited to have you on our episode. Um, so my next question for you is, in your words, what is fair trade? Well, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> I would say just to put it simply, fair trade is a partnership, a partnership based on respect, dialogue, transparency, and justice. The partnership whose goal is really to achieve a more just and environmentally sustainable trade. Um, we say that it's a type of trade that is people-centered. It's really focused on well-being and human empowerment. Of course, being a trade, the, uh, the, the exchange of good is really the key element in this partnership, but the impact goes beyond the economic level. It's an impact on a social level, environmental level, and uh, community level, if you want, in the global south. So just to make a, a clarification that I think it's important, we know that in the Canadian market right now, we see different products, certified fair trade available. I'm sure you, you've seen them, uh, but they have different certifications with that differ many aspects. Uh, maybe you heard of Fair for Life, you may have heard of Rainforest. So each of those, address different issues in different ways. Uh, but among all the certifications so far, the ethical certification that's most recognized worldwide is uh, definitely fair trade. So I would like just to take a few uh, moments to share a few words about uh, fair trade, because that's the, the, the most solid and most recognized system as of now. In this system, 50%, it's really owned by producers in the global south, meaning small producers. And it's a system that's been really conceived with one goal. This goal is to protect human rights of small-scale um, producers in the Global South, their families. And if we consider, well, they account for 70% of the world coffee growers. So it's a huge, huge part of the farmers in the Global South. And if you look at it, from a large-scale point of view, we, we can really realize that these people are the most vulnerable ones in the world, the most marginalized and the most disadvantaged ones. They are the ones that really struggle the most uh, with the global challenges the world is facing now. Of course, the pandemic, but if we think of only the climate change, they are the most touched by this challenge. And it's real core, this system, the whole system, aims at really supported a sustainable and fair relationship uh, with small scale farmers. Maybe to give you a, a brief, brief introduction, we can also say that in this system, uh, the farmers are not alone. They are small scale farmers, but they're grouped in co-ops. And by being grouped in co-ops, they have, they have more decision powers, more negotiation power, they have access to credit this way because they're together and they can also share their knowledge so it's empowering also in the sense that it helps them to uh, 
get out of isolation. So in that sense, it's really on a social level, it's a very impactful way to support them and to ensure really the, the solidity of the system. That there is a, an independent certification body, which is called FlowCert, and that the body that uh, is in charge of auditing the farmers, so make sure that they respect all the social, economic and environmental standards that are required to uh, be able to uh, obtain and also maintain the certification uh, over time. And uh, there's also fair trade that you know, the fair trade international is a international organization, uh, no profit, uh, which fair trade Canada and also other branches as partner organization around the world uh, belong to. And the mandate is really to develop fair trade product standards, support the farmers and administer and monitor uh, the verification system uh, on a global uh, scale. I hope it's clear. Let me know if you need any uh, explanations or any further information. So uh, you touched about how fair trade is really like people-centered, but it's also environmentally friendly and sustainable. Can you just sum up why consuming fair trade is really important as consumers? Personally, I really love this question. <laughs> I asked this question to uh, people and myself as well many, many times. And I always came up with different answers because the impact of this system of this kind of uh, responsible choices in our daily life are huge, humongous. It seems just a small act just to choose a fair trade product, fair trade banana, but it can make a huge difference not only in your life, and, but other people's life around the world and on the environment. Last time I, I thought about it, I really realized how important it is to, uh, to always ask yourself, what's the purpose? No matter what we do, uh, no matter which cause we decide to support, it's very important that we have clear in our mind why we're supporting it. Like, what's the purpose? What's the impact of our actions? So personally, I really consider fair trade important, actually essential, to ensure a sustainable future, first and foremost, to our children and the children of the world, if you want to, and the children of the children <laughs> and so on and so forth. Um, there's a quote that I really love from Emerson. It says, we did not inherit the word from our ancestors. We borrowed it from our children. So <laughs> we need to make sure that we give it back in the best possible way, if not better <laughs> than the way we found it, right? And I really consider children, future generations as really uh, messengers of the future. They're really, you guys also are the leaders of tomorrow. And my goal and my greatest desire is really their happiness, right? And if we want their happiness, we cannot spare any effort to protect, preserve, and improve our world today as much as possible, starting now, right? And if you, have, if you allow me, I, um, I also would like to share with you uh, um, a poem, actually, that I wrote, um, inspired by this thought, you know, by, while I was thinking of why is fair trade important? Like, what's the purpose of the cause that I'm supporting? Why am I doing it, right? <laughs> so uh, the poem uh, um, is called uh, Messengers of the Future. And it's really dedicated to the leaders of the future and to you all, I would say. So <clears throat> it says, symphonies of peace resound, bright smiles shine, the smiles of those who struggle with tenacity to create today the victories of tomorrow with the eyes turned towards them, the messengers of the future. Without them, there's no tomorrow. Without them, our struggle is useless. For them, we build. For them, we stand up every time we fall to the ground. Opening the way, passing on the baton. This is our mission. So it's really, really our responsibility to strive to leave our children the best possible world we can. And to me, again, to reiterate that fair trade really represents a way to move forward to make this vision a reality. And uh, I think thanks to the Fairtrade Standard, economic 
standards, social and environmental standards. Um, it allows the system to really have a full impact. And uh, one thing that I really, really want to underline is that um, fair trade is not a form of charity. We may think of it because when you, when you think that what you're doing really supports the community, um, you may have this thought, but in reality, it's not charity because you're giving the means to these farmers to build their own future, but it's not you building it for them. It's them uh, that are enabled through your support to do it. In fact, if you think of the first system, when you pay a price for a banana, that extra cents that you pay contains two portions. One is called the minimum price. That's the part of the price that cover all the um, cost of production. And then there's another part of the price that's called the premium price. That's part of the price that's not given to uh, individual farmers. It's, a, give, it's given to the all co-op and together in a democratic way. So basically everybody gets one vote farmers decide what to do with that, that amount. Uh, there is a percentage that they're usually required to invest to increase the productivity, to improve the quality of their own product. But the rest, they can invest it in any kind of initiative they think it's relevant, uh, depending on their circumstances. And they're the best decision makers because they're on the ground and they know exactly what the community needs, right? Depending on the situation uh, they live in. So in that sense, it's really an empowering tool and system that can really allow these farmers to become, uh, to stop surviving and really living to the fullest and become really the writers, the protagonists on their own lives, not just actors. <laughs> Your poem was so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> like, you're really talented. Um, <laughs> So now that you like you were talking about the importance of making the effort to support fair trade and why we should do that, but what would you say are like the biggest benefits of supporting fair trade industry? And also, does the fair trade model actually work? Personally, again, I think that the benefits, uh, not only in terms of impact, but benefits for us, ourselves as customers are really numerous. Uh, first of all, let's, Give an example, let's think of food, fair trade food. It's not the only type of fair trade product that we have, but it, food is generally very popular. Many people know that uh, fair trade food exists. So uh, when you buy your fair trade food, you can really have the guarantee that you're consuming high quality food. Because as I said, there's a percentage of the price that's really invested to improve uh, the, the quality of the product constantly, regularly. It's part of the standard and part of the system. So it's a strong guarantee uh, for me as a consumer, even though not many people know it, but uh, if you think of it, it's also farmers have a, a biggest incentive maybe from compared to even other companies to really make high quality products because if they are not good, well, they won't be competitive and then they have much fewer chances to survive in a very competitive market. So for me, that's a very important guarantee. So quality. Uh, and also, if you look at future products available in the Canadian market as of now, you will notice that about 80% uh, are certified organic, which is not a coincidence uh, because, again, as I mentioned earlier, one of the type of standards that Fairtrade uh, has is uh, of environmental type. So, there are uh, restrictions in terms of when it regarding the use of, for example, of limited resources such as water. There are restrictions in terms of um, uh, chemical products to be used uh, in terms of uh, use of the soil. So all of this is a guarantee for us, not just uh, in terms of the quality of the product, but also for our impact in terms of protection of the environment. So it's a sort of a ripple effect, and it's definitely a food that. I personally say that we can feel good about eating as we know how the people behind it are treated. And we know that the, the certification is a guarantee that they're paid, they've been paid fairly, that no child uh, was exploited to make it to life, to bring it to life, and that no detrimental uh, agricultural techniques uh, 
um, has been used, for example, and that all the resources have been used very carefully. And we know that the community have been supported and helped. Maybe uh, sometime a school was built or another time they, they use the, the, the fund for uh, building a, a bridge, an hospital, uh, solar panels, installing solar panels. So uh, these are just examples, but for me, it's a reassurance. And that's the, the reason why there's a solid and uh, uh, international system put in, in place. Of course, there are challenges, especially with the pandemic. I, I question the system also uh, working in a fair trade business. I had some doubts, uh, I had questions, and I really dig into that to really try to find my answers and make sure that the system is as transparent as it claims to be, right? And uh, I really realized that in some cases, the certification has been uh, some businesses, some co-ops in the Global South have lost their certification because they weren't able to uh, continue to meet the standards. So that's another proof that this is the the system is uh, fair for everyone in both sense it's fair in terms of giving opportunities but at the same time to make sure that if standards have not been respected a top cannot maintain the certification also at previous uh, pre uh, before the pandemic they were held uh, sometimes planned but other times they were not planned so and they were audited on the ground uh, in these co-ops where there were interviews and uh, these audits uh, could last for up to two weeks and there were audits that were really meant to assess the respect of every requirement like the environment the work environment the condition the uh, the people the workers everything was really inspected now of course it's not that they have not been inspected but the the, the approach the way that's been done is different and from a business point of view uh, in my company, I've seen um, the process of the audit uh, with FlowCert, that's the independent body that I was mentioning earlier. And I, I can tell from the, the amount of documents, reports, information, and the type of question that they ask that they really want, they're really striving, they're doing their best to build a system that's transparent as much as possible, obviously. With, there are challenges, but I can tell that all the people involved are very supportive that we have a common goal to really uh, protect these farmers. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what counts the most. So, yeah, <laughs> I hope that was clear. <laughs> yes, that was very, very clear. So you mentioned that um, there's food for fair trade. So can you mention also other products that are available on the market of that's fair course. trade as well as touch on some misconceptions mm -hmm. of fair trade, such as it's very hard to find or it's expensive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I just wanted to share uh, another point uh, sorry, regarding the previous question about like how does it work? I think I can share with you my stories, what I've, saw, what I've seen, but I think what speaks the most are the countless stories of farmers that we can, uh, that we can see on social media that have been shared also by Fairtrade Canada, Fairtrade International. They're really real life stories of simple farmers sharing how the Fairtrade system changed their lives. And personally, I even met a producer uh, virtually and I just asked him one simple question. What was the impact that Fairtrade had in your life? And first of all, he, he stressed a lot the fact that fair trade is a win-win system. And then he told me that thanks to fair trade, he was able to send his kids to school to build a solid roof for his house and to install solar panels. And he told me that in three words, but it was like so sincere and so passionate about it that I think even if it, the system can change the life of one person, I'm the happiest person in the world. Like, Everything starts with one person. So uh, going back to your question, Yena, uh, there are many uh, fair trade products available and many more. Uh, like the, 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 the offer is always, always growing. Uh, in the last few years grew uh, exponentially and I think it will continue to do so. Uh, so in terms of food, we know the most popular are chocolate, coffee, uh, we know now we also have some nuts that are fair trade. We have sugar, we have tea, 
I can have any, we even have alcohol. I don't know if you guys are aware. <laughs> there is a, uh, a few beers, uh, wine that, that can be found fair trade at SAQ. We have uh, ice cream. Ben and Jerry is very famous for that. We uh, also have another uh, commodities. We have a football ball that can be fair trade. Uh, we have jewelry that can be fair trade, clothes, shoes, bags, socks. Uh, again, before it was much harder to find, but now thanks to also the uh, expansion of the online e-commerce, it's much easier to order and uh, people are becoming more and more aware of it. So it's, it's very great to see. And I'm very happy to see also that uh, many uh, large retailers like Loblo's or Metro, they're really embarking on uh, promoting and supporting fair trade. I'm sure you started noticing more and more fair trade products in the, on the shelves of supermarkets. They're usually located next to uh, the organic, in the organic sections. But again, it's, it's a great starting point. Maybe one day the fair trade, uh, the uh, fair trade will have its own uh, its own section of shelves. We'll see, but uh, it give you a, a general idea of the type of products that are now available, and they're continuously growing. So stay tuned. We'll see more and more fair trade um, on our shelves. Uh, when it comes to misconceptions, unfortunately, I, I noticed, especially after my company became uh, fair trade certified, that. There are quite a few misconceptions rooted, very rooted that are very difficult uh, to challenge sometimes. So I'm glad that we're talking about it uh, tonight. So first of all, one of the most common misconceptions I would say is about the price. We know that consumers are very price sensitive. And uh, one of the comments I heard most often is future products are more expensive than regular products. Uh, maybe uh, a few years ago that was true, but in my experience as of now, at least for the most common uh, food commodities, this doesn't correspond to the reality anymore. Compared a few items, I'm looking at, for example, bananas or uh, teas. Uh, personally, I see that in most cases, the price equal, equals the, the price for fair trade products equals the price for uh, uh, organic products. So... Uh, I mean, or in case of banana, sometimes they're just a difference of a few cents. For us, few cents is barely nothing. But for the people in the global south, that can that can lead to a huge change in their life. So I think um, uh, I mean it, it's not a reason of concern. It shouldn't be a reason of concern not to choose fair trade. And as I said, also uh, most of uh, fair trade products are also certified organic. So if we buy organic. If the price is the same, why not just buy fair trade and organic? And uh, also another of the most uh, common misconception is that fair trade products uh, compete with local products. Personally, I would say no, because if you think of the product range available in, uh, with a fair trade certification, we can see these are all products that most of the time are not available uh, here. If you think of coffee, think of cacao or bananas, uh, quite hard to find and not in competition and in some cases we also have uh, products whose raw ingredients are sourced from countries in the global south and then they are processed here and in some cases this kind of product even have the label uh, uh, produit uh, au Quebec so in such a globalized world I think speaking about competition with local products is a little bit is not actual anymore there's they're not it's not a contradiction uh, they can go together they are complementary i would say and fair trade products allow people also to experience taste and flavor of other countries of however countries in the world one more is that to fight climate change we must consume local products so again uh, as i said we can have an impact on the environment with our consumption choices in many different ways and fair trade can definitely be one of those. The environmental standards that are required to uh, receive the to obtain the certification for farmers ensure that really uh, the use of the techniques and the production process is carried out with the maximum respect of the environment and the environment is protected. For example, GMOs are uh, are forbidden, and as I was saying, there were there's a large quantity of fair trade products that are. Uh, 
that are also certified organic. Uh, and if we think also of, again, from a biggest point of view, uh, the people that are really most affected by the effect of the climate change and the crisis that we're living now are the most vulnerable ones. And the most vulnerable ones are in the global south. A globalized world like where we live right now, we can see how interconnected we have. And I think we all experience that if we look at the pandemic, right? We can see that our behaviors here can affect <laughs> the lives of people around the world. And it's, it's valid for the pandemic, but also uh, when it comes to food, when it comes to uh, production of goods and so on and so forth. So uh, even if we support, we act as a consumer to support producing in the global south, well, the results of this action will have repercussion on everybody's life, on the lives of everybody on the planet. That's the way I see it. A uh, few more. Uh, another misconception I would say is that fair trade products are products of poor quality. As I mentioned earlier, it's not really true because there's a percentage of the fair trade premium price that's invested to uh, increase the productivity and improve um, the quality of the product, fair trade product. And if we see, uh, there are many future products that have also received the awards uh, as innovative products, thanks to that. So they're not necessarily poor quality. And as I said, the farmers have really the incentive to create product of the greatest quality to become, to stay uh, and be competitive in the market. Another one that's pretty uh, common to hear is that future products are hard to find. I'm sad to say that partially true. <laughs> it's, it's getting much better uh, because the information available are much more. And thanks to devoted youth like you both, Yana and Emily, <laughs> uh, more and more people are aware of the, the choice that we have uh, in terms of fair trade. And as I said, uh, large retail chains uh, really came on board to support this uh, fair trade movement and more and more fair trade uh, products uh, have become available, uh, are becoming available on the shelves. I myself included, I'm, I, I witnessed this. We uh, recently worked with, on a project uh, with Loveless to launch a, a fair trade um, bag of chocolate chips. And Loveless specifically requested this product to be fair trade certified and organic certified. And seeing like uh, a big retailer like Loveless really requiring this certification to me means a lot. It really shows how things are changing, are changing and how much uh, retailers also are realizing what customer wants. So I think it's a very brilliant achievement. And there, if uh, fair trade products are hard to find, but we have more and more resources available. It's just a matter of make sure that we inform people and we let them know where they can find this information. And probably you know there's a website that's called choisiréquitable.org. It's a platform that's been built a couple of years ago, sort of a database where you can search by postal codes uh, or by products or even by type of uh, point of sale. And you can really find where uh, a specific purchase product is available uh, in your neighborhood across Quebec. So I think that's a very useful resource. And also Fairtrade Canada recently added a section on the website where you can see really what are the, uh, the stores and the businesses that offer Fairtrade products. That's very, very helpful. The last, but uh, not the least, uh, misconception is that Fairtrade products have a social impact. If we want to protect the environment, we need to buy organic. As I said, it's, it's not necessarily the case because the Fairtrade product, because of the holistic set of standards that uh, these products need to meet to, uh, to be able to maintain and obtain the certification, they have uh, a more holistic impact in the sense, in an economic sense, social sense, and uh, environmental sense as well. And as I said, the vast majority of future products are also organic. Was it clear? Do, we have, do you need any clarification? No, no, you did a great job. Thank you for clarifying those things. Cause like even myself, like I'm really interested in fair trade industry, but it's it's hard to like clear up those misconceptions because we don't really have access to like people like you who can like tell us everything like that. 
Um, so speaking, you were touching on how um, like our small actions can really affect people's lives on like a greater scale. Could you maybe elaborate more on like the daily steps that we can take as individuals uh, to promote sustainable and ethical consumption? Wonderful question again. <laughs> I would say uh, number one advice um, be to uh, question the source. Now, as consumers, we have access to much more information than we had just five, six, seven years ago. So before we put a product into our cart, I really think that uh, we should take a moment to think of the people behind it, who made it possible, right? For you to enjoy such a delicious food or just uh, a beautiful pair of shoes, for example. Uh, I think we should really take a moment to think of all the possibilities that uh, the possibility that that exists, that's real, that someone may have been forced to make it, uh, to to make a specific product for free, for example, or maybe they may have been forced to work under unsafe conditions, or maybe they were underpaid, uh, they were working long hours, someone may have even lost their lives. We don't know. So it's super important to ask yourself, where did this product come from? Is the distributor reliable? What, what are their values? What are, uh, what are the guarantees that they can offer you? What are, um, what's their reputation? I know that we wanna, do, we wanna make this kind of choices quickly. We don't have the time, but uh, if we really consider that there's much, there's a universe behind the products that we eat, that we consume, that we use every day. There's a universe of people. And these people are as important as our families, our friends are, they are people. We are all human beings. So if we come back to the, our humanity, we cannot but really empathize with them and try to make our, try to do our best to really support them in any possible way. And of course, I totally agree with you. It's, uh, in some cases, it's very hard to know uh, where a product comes from. Sometimes we don't have any information. Sometimes labels are super vague. <laughs> Although the, the system is changing and the requirements are changing, um, institutions are becoming more and more strict when it comes to labeling, but still, there's a long way to go. Uh, and my suggestion would be that if you can find the answer, really ask. I know that you may think, oh, I'm just a, a student. Who shall I ask who I am to ask uh, companies? Like, no, uh, we hear you. Like, at least in my experience, uh, we received uh, in the last few years, a lot of requests from customers asking where your product comes from, or um, they even ask us to start carrying fair trade products, fair trade chocolates in particular. They ask for years. And I, I can say that it made a difference. It really helped us to take that step and to uh, receive the certification as a company. It, it was uh, one more reason, you know? And we couldn't wait when we, uh, to tell our customer that we finally managed to receive the certification and they were really pleased. So it helps the business to have more reassurance when it comes to this kind of decision, because sometimes you may wonder if there are really opportunity, if there's really a market, if it's just a, a trend, uh, may it work? Is it profitable, non-profitable? When your own customers are asking for it, well, it's hard for a business to ignore it, especially if it's more than one person. So personally, what I'm doing, what I've been doing and what I will continue to do is really to promote Fairtrade products, to talk to my friends, my family, uh, and show them through my own example. And I've been doing this for like six years now. And I can tell you that I'm very proud <laughs> that many of my friends have started, have started sending me pictures of Fairtrade products whenever they buy them. And <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to see that. And I, I think that uh, I had an impact on their lives as well and uh, on, on other people too. And they will set the example for others. And it's a ripple effect that's never ending. It may seem like an irrelevant 
acts, uh, but each of us can really take this kind of initiatives, especially with our friends, with our immediate circle. And uh, we can really change in this way the destiny of the humankind. That's really what I believe. And if you allow me, I love quotes. <laughs> and I, I would like to share with you a quote from uh, my mentor in life, that is uh, Daisaku Ikeda. He's the president of the Buddhist uh, lay organization, uh, Sakagaka International. And I quote, zero multiplied by any number, no matter how large, is zero. But the number one can grow limitlessly when multiplied, right? A great human revolution in just a single individual will help achieve a change in the destiny of a nation and further can even enable a change in the destiny of all humankind. And personally, I really, really believe in it, 100%. So please send your friends pictures of future products and see what they say. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, we actually had a very small well it was small last semester but we had this contest where we asked people to go to their local grocery stores and take a picture of fair trade products and we received over three submissions wow. and wow. yeah i was very happy to see that so fantastic that's the proof you know one multiplied can grow limitlessly that's really the proof congratulations Thank you. So, so now we're going to jump into kind of the other section of our podcast in this episode, which would be about more about you and your journey mm -hmm. in the fair trade industry. Mm -hmm. So the first question in this section would be, what really drove you into the fair trade industry? And how did you become like really interested by it? What was the first thing that sparked you to take action? Uh, great questions, really. Uh, congratulations. Very good job. <laughs> I would say I came into uh, the fair trade movement uh, a bit by chance, but apparently by chance. Uh, I had my, one of my first work experience was uh, in the fashion industry, and I was working in the uh, ad office of a multinational uh, fashion company. And there I, I was working on a daily basis with buyers and uh, different departments. And especially the buyers that were working with the suppliers uh, in China and other developing countries. And I heard different stories uh, of, that were making me really doubt about the working conditions and working hours of these people. Uh, every now and then we would hear about an accident, a fire, a boat lost in, in the sea, like all sort of stories. And I was wondering, is it true? Is it a dream? What is that? Like, I, I had a lot of questions. And I, with the pace of the industry, I was a bit lost. And I started to feel very conflicted in the sense that my own values were not really matching with the reality I was seeing. And I started to really question my work and question what I was doing. Again, what's the purpose? I was continuously asking myself, why am I doing it? Like, is it, am I doing the right thing? Am I supporting the right cause? Uh, and I wasn't convinced, so the experience didn't last long and I left that uh, industry. Uh, and eventually I, um, I went to the uh, food industry where I'm currently working. Again, by chance, maybe not by chance, but uh, that's how it happened. And, uh, and again, uh, there are challenges in the food industry as much as in the fashion industry. Every industry has, has their own challenges, but um, we always have the problem of the transparency and suppliers and in the company where I work, uh, we source food products from uh, over 50 countries in the world. So, and the situation in all these countries is very different and the availability of information is also different. And, um, I remember that the first time I heard about fair trade was at the trade show at McGill. And uh, it was a fresh week and there were lots of exhibitors and there was a booth with Fair Trade Canada. And my boss introduced me uh, to uh, the director of business development uh, at the time uh, from Fair Trade. And he asked me to uh, look into that, how the certification works, if there's anything we could have done with them. 
I was very interested. I started to look into that and I, I thought this is the way to make my value maths my work. So it's perfect. And uh, personally, I, um, I, my, uh, I, I follow a Buddhist philosophy and it's a philosophy that really put people at the center who really believe that in the pot limitless potential that everybody has to make a huge impact on the destiny of the humankind. Um, so, and it's really a philosophy based on the respect for human life, human rights and human dignity. So for me, that's really the, the, the core and the pillar and um, the, the la boussole <laughs> the, the, that I use to really judge uh, my choices and ponder everything, question everything. And I, I saw in fair trade and the system and the values that it promotes, that it really matches uh, my personal values and the philosophy I believe in. I believe in. So I decided to really look into that even more and to make it a reality for my company. Unfortunately, uh, for five years ago, it didn't work out. Uh, I received uh, some rejections uh, uh, inside the company because it wasn't the right time. You know, it, it's the certification process, the process to acquire the certification as solid as it can be, it's challenging. It, lots of information are required. There's a cost involved. Uh, there are implications in terms of packaging for many different departments. So it's not, of course, it's not an easy business decision. And personally, I was a bit discouraged when I heard my first no. <laughs> I was at the beginning of my career, and but I didn't give up. So, uh, I was very interested by fair trade, so I started to um, to uh, get engaged as a volunteer. So I joined the ambassador program with fair trade. So I received the training. I started to learn more and more. And, uh, and then I, I started to uh, organize events by myself. Probably you guys know the, the program, the Fair Trade program, the Fair Trade event, right? It, when we organize events and we, we use and we promote Fair Trade, the three Fair Trade products, we can receive a designation. So I use uh, this program a lot to promote the certification in public events with my friends uh, at parties, celebration. Um, and I started to know more and more, uh, and it became my passion, actually. Uh, and again, I, while I was doing that, I continued to uh, speak with my, my team, my boss, the management in my company, to let them know what I was doing. I, I was doing radio interviews. I, was, I tried different things, so I really spread the word as a one person, like, as much as I could. And I was sharing all my experiences uh, in my company. To the point that they decided to uh, support my request and we received the designation as a fair trade uh, workplace so for me it was a huge achievement and a sign of opening finally and i continue to have dialogues with my colleagues and the fact that we had the designation helped me to like have more opportunities to talk to them and finally fast forward in 2020 we uh, we started to work with loblos and it happened that they wanted us to work on a project uh, uh, regarding a fair trade product, product that they wanted fair trade. So at that point, it came natural for our company. That was the right time for our company to really take this step and to become a fair trade uh, trader and receive the certification. So in 2020, we received the certification. And uh, since then, I really... Um, worked hard to promote internally inside the company fair trade to educate employees we organized uh, webinars uh, presentations and now uh, webinar has been included in our um, internal um, integration plan for new employees so every new employee is gonna learn about fair trade our commitment and how they can contribute as consumers as individuals to support the movement so Going back to what I was saying earlier about one person is not single, it's not one single person. No, the impact that we can have, if we really believe in our potential, it can be humongous. We just need to believe in that. You were talking about uh, how you were, you wanted to spread your values uh, and show them to the world. 
uh, has your, would you say that your career in marketing has helped you in your journey to promote fair trade? And if so, in which ways? Um, I think definitely my marketing background helped me um, in terms of tools that I have to educate, skills that I developed through my studies and through my experience. Uh, I have a lot of opportunities that working in marketing to engage directly with our customers. And in the last few years, I also worked, I worked a lot in customer service, supported the, the customer service team. And that actually, I consider one of the greatest opportunities I've had so far because it really allowed me to see what customer wants, uh, how they think and what, how they look for products, what they're worried about. And I, I really saw a change in the last four years, I would say, like in terms of type of questions that we receive. We receive much more questions now about the source. Many people are concerned about how the people that make our products are treated. What are their working conditions? And we've also seen some retailers, a big retail chain, asking for audits, for example, in this, uh, in our, at our suppliers to make sure that there's no forced labor, there no, there's no child labor. So everybody started to kind of awaken to the importance of the people that make our products and the, the farmers. Because again, we don't see them. Maybe they, they can, they seem so far from us, so different from us, but they're human beings as much as we are. And I really, personally, I really want to find as many ways as possible to try to build and strengthen this connection with the farmers at, at any touch point with customers, not just, yes, of course, sending stories is a way, but having a more direct uh, connection with the customers. For me, I can say that that time when I spoke, when I had the opportunity to speak with a producer, uh, for me, it's been life-changing because to see how much is life changed hearing from him and it's a real person it's not a video that I saw that maybe was edited or I don't know sent from who it was like a one-to-one -one dialogue and he shared this I've never met him before but he shared his art so opening so sincerely and for me like it motivates me humongously to to spread the word to make his voice heard and actually with him uh, I asked him to record the interview it's a very short one and uh, now I, I use the, uh, I share it in my every, almost every presentation I, I give because I really want, his name is Messier Leonard, works for a co-op in uh, Côte d'Ivoire and is a very simple person but with a big heart. And I really, really want his voice to be heard by as many people as possible because like, how his life changed and the, 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 the authenticity with which is spoke to me, it can touch so many arts and that's the message that I want to convey. So I think my knowledge, my, my expertise in marketing definitely helped me to see what's the best way to convey the message uh, in a way that people can, um, can receive it in the best possible way. And my goal, whenever I prepared presentation or any kind of communications, newsletter, anything, is that from what I say, even tonight, if you guys can retain even just one word of what I said, I'm the happiest person in this world. <laughs> one word that you can carry with you and maybe the next time that you go to the supermarket, you can think of it. That's the greatest victory for me. <laughs> yeah. That was really inspiring to hear. Mm -hmm. And uh, listening to your answers, I just had a spontaneous last question in mind yeah. to close um, this episode. So our last question is, you talked about how you were also a board member of the Association Québécoise du Commerce Équitable. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us more about what their role is? Absolutely. And actually, we're in the process of like revisiting and try to actualize a little bit more the service that we provide and our mission to include a more uh, sustainable and uh, uh, environmental aspect to our mission, which we realized was lacking. And now we are really striving to help promote uh, 
virtual products, virtual businesses, and really um, a reference. We aim <laughs> to be a, a reference institution to really uh, help uh, institutions, organizations, individuals, engage citizens like you, uh, change actors really to get together and have an impact uh, together. Because together we are stronger. <laughs> so unity strength, as they say. So our goal is really to provide, to provide a, a common ground for all these engaged people to gather and uh, convey a unique message uh, for value creation and to build a peaceful world. And uh, actually we're looking for uh, anyone that wants to volunteer. So if any of you is interested, please reach out. Uh, we have lots of initiatives and events that we are planning for the year to come, uh, tools that we're gonna make available. So if anyone wants to jump on board, we're more than happy to, uh, to share more details. And it's a very exciting time now that we're really reinventing in a, in a way, like try to uh, become more actual uh, after two years that's been really <laughs> unprecedented. And, uh, but we definitely, it's, a, it's the only uh, reference instance in French, Francophone, uh, in Quebec and across Canada. So we, it's super important as a resource of information and uh, um, can't wait to, uh, uh, to launch more events and I will definitely keep you guys posted. Uh, it's a very, very exciting time. Thank you so much, Giada, for this fascinating discussion. I learned so much, Yana, I'm sure you did too. Um, and I can't wait to show this to our friends at school so that they can learn more about the fair trade industry. Um, there's so much for us to discover about it. And I think that um, thanks to people like you, this is how, as you said, it's all in the future. So if we can promote this to future generations. That's how we're going to get the work done. Exactly. So thank you so much. And that's a wrap for episode one of the Magazine Simone podcast. Thank you so much, Jenna and Amini. You're messengers of the futures. You are the messengers of the future. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>